What's poppin' people? It's your boy Cass once again for the Say Less Podcast. I just want to thank you before I ever get into any show. I want to thank you, the listener, just for giving me an hour of your time, 45 minutes, a half hour. doesn't matter because Say Less isn't about me. It's about you, the supporter of this show. So thank you so much for listening and subscribing as well. Um, you can go to YouTube.com slash Kazim to see this show in its entirety. If you want to see us in all its glory, all the video glory, all the streaming glory, go to my YouTube page. That's YouTube.com slash Kazim. But shout out to everybody listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbay, Podbean, literally anywhere you can get podcasts, you can listen to Say Less With Kaz. And like I do every time we do this show, I promise you a great guest. And today is no different. This episode, uh, obviously, for the first time in a long time, we got some real deal sports to talk about. With the NFL draft going on this weekend, I called up on my boy Willie Colon of Barstool Breakfast to talk all things football, talk all things NFL draft. The Buccaneers, the Giants, and the Jets both went with offensive line help to help shore up some protection for Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones, as well as Saquon Barkley, Le'Veon Bell. So who else to talk to, who better to talk to than uh, a former offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Jets, and a Super Bowl champion. But obviously you can catch him on Barstool Breakfast on Sirius XM each and every morning on your ride to work, ride home, or just in the crib because ain't nobody going anywhere for the foreseeable future. It's a great talk. We talk a whole lot of football, talk about media and the, and the journey that we've taken uh, individually to get where we're going. Um, our SNY homies, shout out to everybody over there at Sports New York. And uh, yeah, this is a fun talk. So if you enjoy it, hit subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. So um, Emilio Sparks, you know what to do every time we do it this time. At this time, hit the fucking music. My man, Willie Cologne. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, brother? <laughs> man, I'm living. I'm living. I'm living. I'm alive. I'm, I see the Hofstra in the background. I see the yeah. Cardinal Hayes over for the BX. I yes, see you. Sir. Homegrown. Stay loyal to your soil. Yes, sir. All day, every day, man. First, before we get into anything, everybody's good at home. How's family? Everything's safe? Yeah, man. We, we push it through it. You know, I, I think everybody has somebody or knows somebody either close to them or arms length away. Uh, that is, has been affected by this thing, man. So I, I think, you know, it's it's, it's undocumented times. It's, it's strange. It's weird. You know, I was just sitting down uh, at the table with my wife, and, and you know, there's a lot of speculation about uh, New York reopening. I know, uh, I think it was de Blasio came out and said maybe May 15th, you're going to pop this thing open. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, listen, man, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> You know, you say you say I'm a procrastinator, but my, pro, my my procrastination game may step up a little bit more. I may be late to everything. Yo, let me tell you, I'm like yeah. I heard them talking the May 15 stuff. I'm like, yo, y'all could start on May 15. Right. I'll, I'll 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 trickle it around June. You know what I mean? I right. y'all. Right. I'll let you see how this thing goes before I, I jump on it because I yeah. still don't trust nothing. But yeah, I may go in a cave and just come out with a whole new body next fall. And just- <laughs> I'm about to go to Dr. Miami. That's the first place I'm going because all yeah. I'm doing is eating and just doing prison workouts. So I'm just all chest right now. Yeah, man. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm built for that Corona, that lockdown, <laughs> man. It's a lot. My my thoughts and prayers, to everybody that really going through it though. 
Oh yeah, me too, man. Absolutely. But it's good to it's good to hear from you. We haven't talked in a minute since like. Yeah, later. man. Congratulations on everything. I, I see you out there with my own uh, at my own stomping grounds, asking why with with JSB and and and, and the whole gang and uh the thread and. Shout out to Kirk Gowdy. Kirk Gowdy showed me a lot of love when I got off the field. Yeah, man. And we're nominated for a sports Emmy, so we'll know tomorrow if we won it. So. That's fire, man. I, ain't, I didn't win shit when I was there, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, as always. They always they always talk you up over there. They still got your uh, your cutout in yeah. the storage room. So. Yeah, man. They they put up me, man. They, they showed me a lot of love. They're a lot of my... They allowed my maturation to come up. Uh, yes, come sir. yes, sir. Now, now you're killing it over Boston breakfast. Uh, I, was, I was a guest on the show a couple of times, but obviously for people who may not know the entire story of how, uh, how your pro, your broadcasting career led you to Barstool breakfast and just the whole Barstool family. Why don't you just fill us in on that? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange, man, because I, uh, so what happened was I was, just to, because it's just a long story, so I try to compact it. I, when I got off the field, I didn't really have. I was kind of on the fence, right? You know, you 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 leave the game. I, I left football very bitter because I didn't want to. I, I had this heart and a passion to still play. My my knees were just gone, and as as every athlete, you know, your your mind and heart may may be still in one place, but your body may be in another. And that was that was pretty much my situation. So I was doing a lot of media stuff while I was playing, especially my my last few years with the Jets, and. When I knew it was, you know, it was about time for me to retire, my wife was really the one that was like, hey, man, you know, you can do this. Give it a shot. You know, just just get into it, you know, learn. You're not going to be great at first, but the more you stay at it, you'll be fine. And I said, ah, okay. And I was I was really, you know, still kind of grieving about what, you know, I had been playing football since I was 14 years old. Some people play, you know, have been playing football since Pop Warner. I'm, you know, we, we New York City guys, we didn't, it was a lot of Pop Warner teams, so, Right. I had to maximize my opportunity once I started football. So I was really all in on football. It was it was my everything. Um, so when it came back to the broadcast stuff, man, I was really fortunate to have people like Jonah Schwartz, um, to have like Janae, who was in the locker room, who had, who who was really kind of just really uplifting and sweet. Ray oh, Lucas, she's awesome. Ray Lucas was really like my brother because he had played, he had made the transition, on and on. So it was a bunch of people that's why who was really, really good, man, and really treated me uh, with so much respect and so much love. And then I was doing, I was doing SNY and I, and I was doing, um, I was doing ESPN and I was kind of doing Han and Humpty with Chris Canty and Rick, B- Rick DiPietro and Alan Hahn and Dave Rothen- uh, Rothenberg. And, and I was doing working what he needed work. So I was kind of stirring the pot on the New York scene and pretty much, you know, whoring myself out anywhere that uh, who was willing. You know how it is. Anybody that's I know how I'm doing the same, bro. I'm yeah. like, want me to come where? So what? Yes, let's do yeah, it. You want to talk to me, I'll talk to you back. So I was doing that for a little bit, and I liked it. And then I started doing things with ESPN. Uh, and so I had went out to every Super Bowl uh, prior to uh, – so I retired in 16. I would go out to Super Bowl and do Media Row. Mm-hmm. And I was auditioning with Fox, and I had a couple of auditions. And things were okay. Things were working out for the most part. Well, Jason Whitlock who everybody knows, uh, they were trying to give Whitlock his own show before Speak for Itself. And okay. at the time, it was me and JSB actually auditioning for the show. Uh, and so we were out in San Francisco. This is when the Super Bowl was out in San Francisco. And we're, in, we're, doing, we're shooting a pilot for the show uh, at Super Bowl, Super Bowl week. The show never really turned – it never really became anything, but me and JSB kind of stayed, stayed in touch. Uh, I went back to doing the S&Y and ESPN stuff. Uh, and then 
I get a call one day, JSP, JSB had landed in uh, New York working right. at Barstool. And I didn't know anything about Barstool. I wasn't familiar with it at all. And she was like, hey, man, uh, Willie, I don't know if you know about Barstool, however, but it's a, it's a, kind of this it's this new internet company. It's really, really good. Uh, so it's it's going to be big. It's going to be huge, yada, 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 yada. And she was like, you know, I think you should give it a try, which was good because it just tells you how God worked. Prior to that conversation with her, I had I was working out with Ryan Rossillo because Ryan Rossillo had just lost Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell had took off, and I think he went to do some stuff on CBS. Right. So it was just the Ryan Rossillo show, and they were plugging me in with him, and I was doing the Mike and Mike, so I was popping up on and off with uh, Ryan Rossillo. And I thought I was actually going to be Ryan, uh, Ryan Rossillo's secondhand guy, his new guy. That didn't fall through. So I was really bitter about that because I really thought I did a good job. And me and Ryan had really hit it off. Even, you know, me, even he looked at me, he's like, man, I, you know, I thought they were just throwing you at me just for a tryout, but I really like you. The powers to be whatever happened and never worked out. So I had to push forward. So I went back to ESPN locally on 98.7. And so then all of a sudden I got the call from JSB about Bars to Breakfast and how this morning show, she she was putting together this morning show. And it was me, her, and a comedian by Young Francis, who I know you, you're very familiar with. Francis Ellis, my guy. And yeah, so we we started doing. I went in there, auditioned. Uh, Francis was, you know, was cool. Me and Francis kind of hit it off because we both kind of had that bro, you know, happy go lucky, athletic, you know, macho uh, thing going on. And Jasmine yeah. was kind of the chicken in the room, but she was, you know, Jasmine's funny. She's quirky. She's silly. So we all kind of gelled. And then once, you know, the powers to be at Barstool so was like, hey, man, let's let's get up and run it. We just went with it. And I, I was able to crack the audition and get the job. And it's it's weird how I think I've been doing this for three years now. Um, you know, JSB is, is at SNY with you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no longer with Barstool. And Francis is no longer with Barstool. But, you know, he's tearing up the uh, – the uh, Bible, I think, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, you know, both guys, both, you know, prominent figures who I started with are both gone. And it left me kind of on top of the hill uh, holding a flag. And I'm blessed, man, because I got large. And uh, one of our newcomers on the show, Brandon Newman, was actually uh, on the production side of things when me and JSB met uh, out in Fox when I was auditioning with Whitlock show. So it just I brought him over. And so now we have this great show on uh, Sirius XM Channel 85, Barstool Breakfast. It's wacky. It's kind of a variety show. A lot of people – it's sternish. We, 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 get, we, get, a, we get a low all over the place. We talk about everything we want to talk about. And uh, people seem to love it, and we just continue to put out uh, content that people love. Yeah, and I think I think the reason why people like it, or the reason why I like it so much, is because like when you get a lot of, uh, we always swear that we want our athletes to just kind of have no filter and let us in, and just like speak how you want to speak. You know, you don't want to hear the the happy go lucky athlete answer that we seem to always get, yeah. and you always always kind of like keep it. Super duper funky every single time right. you're right. on that show. Um, so when they, so from the last day of playing to that first day at Barstool Sports, uh, Barstool Breakfast, how long was that entire process? Because I feel like you named like eleven stops in between. Like, how did that? Yeah, it was it was a lot, man. Like it was, you know. So I, I went from doing uh, doing Jets stuff. Uh, obviously, I was doing the Thursday night. I was Thursday night Jets thing. Uh, and I was doing Sundays and I was doing Tuesdays with Jonas. We had a Jets podcast. And then I was mm-hmm. in between before, before there was the thread, there was daily, daily news live. So I went from right. doing that once a week to damn near twice a week, to three times a week on top of that doing ESPN on top of that, 
you know, God knows what else. And then I, was, I started kind of working my rank, my way up the uh, ESPN chain. And I was doing, I was flying, actually flying to LA and doing Nacion. Uh, so I would go to Nacion, shoot that, and then get on a red, uh, red eye and fly back and get ready for SNY and all this other stuff. So I was doing a lot. Um, and in that process, man, uh, just to give you a little uh, emotional insight, there's, you're still doing all this in hopes that something's going to be worth your wild. And when you get the opportunities and you feel like, man, this is worth my wild. I still kind of did. I still hated it a little bit. You know what I mean? Cause it wasn't, it wasn't football. It wasn't something I was accustomed to doing. Um, and in this business, as you know, Kaz, man, <laughs> when you're an athlete, they don't, they, they, they look, your name is only worth gold for two years, two years. Right. max, Right. Outside of that is all right. What are you really bringing to the table? What are you really doing? Um, can we really use you? Can we use you for other things? They're trying to figure out what they want to do with you. Um, and for me, because even though I had the Super Bowl title, I was on a historic team. Uh, I, I was a, I was a sports figure that was willing to talk. They still want you to cut onions. They still want you to kind of get behind the curtain and kind of dime people out and say certain mm-hmm. things and kind of pull it out of you because um, they're looking for the headlines. They're looking for Willie Cologne said X, Y, Z or this, da, 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 da. And I found that to be I found that to be weird because right. yeah sure I, I don't have no problem saying whatever comes out of my mouth and sometimes it's is is good sometimes it's bad sometimes it's miss uh, I misspeak and I have to go back and say man my bad X Y Z but it, it felt forced you know it's one thing somebody tell me like hey we prefer if you tell us about the days with you and Big Ben like well that's between me and Big Ben if you want to mm-hmm. talk about what happened on the field or some uh, some not other nonsense then fine we could do that. So you have to find your happy balance. And I and I learned that through my process of kind of popping around of what producers want and what producers like, what what kind of contact. And then, you know, I was doing so many. I was doing the NFL and NFL Network boot camps, and I was meeting a lot of big people, a lot of big people in the industry, and they were seeing a lot of positive feedback. And everybody's like, man, you know, one thing you have – I remember Stephen A. said this to me one time. I was in a building at ESPN on uh, West 66. He was just like, man, you just remember you have one thing that nobody else has you actually played the game and you was in the locker room. And for me, that was good. But on top of that, what does that necessarily mean? You know, because you got to understand, like, yeah, I was in the locker room, but I still have to be entertained. I still have to be educational. I still have to be able to entertain. Right. And I also have to somehow respect the code of my brotherhood that I signed up for with the rest of these ball players. So you're trying to figure out all these things and you're trying to figure out yourself and you're trying to be this guy. You know, I was I was looking at so many people. I was like, man, I like his style here. I like his delivery. I like the way he do this. I like and then you kind of like anything, you go through the process, man, and you chisel at it and you start to mold yourself. And um, there's days where I'm I'm happy. I'm, I'm extremely thrilled about where I'm at. And then there's other times where I'm like, man, you know, I got to be better at this. I got to, I got to, you know, just work on the details about who I am, my delivery, and uh, just keep pushing. So when you get into this field of media, there's no, there's no such thing as just showing up and having a day. You know, you kind of got to psychologically, you got to push yourself because it's one you always got to be on. That, yeah. that, that's the one thing that I, I learned a lot. Like. There's certain days, like, you know, doing a podcast and doing TV is, like, different. Like, sure. if you're having a bad day on a podcast, you can just kind of, like, talk it out and eventually, like, yeah. work it out. But when you're doing TV and media like you're doing, you got to be – nobody cares if you're having a bad day. If you're on camera, yeah, they need you to be on. And and that's that's a – it's easy to say it, but, like, to live through it, it's, it's very, very different. Yeah, I realized for me it was – 
one, I realized I, so I had the opportunity uh, when I was with, I'm still with Barstool. Uh, we went out to Super Bowl. We had the opportunity to interview Dan Patrick and Dan Patrick was on the stage. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that came from Big Cat, one of our big, uh, one of the, uh, the characters here at Barstool, um, he asked Dan, he goes, Dan, why, how, how come you didn't do the Olympics? You, uh, you were shooing for it, da, 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 da. And Dan was like, well, simply, I didn't, I didn't enjoy watching me. You know, I didn't enjoy looking at me on the screen. I, I can't, I couldn't do it as well as Bob Costas does. Right. That hit home. And because anything I watch, yeah, there's the things you want to get better from a mechanical standpoint, from the mental standpoint. But then do you enjoy watching yourself talk? Do you enjoy just looking at you? Like, and sometimes you have to, as people who choose to be in front of a microphone and talk and have this content entertained, do you really just enjoy what you're putting out there? Like, if so for me, I, I had to sit back and say, you know, every time on radio, do I do I want to listen to me or am I just mm-hmm. putting in the work? And that's tough, you know, because valid. These are the things that pay your bills, but also you want to be able to sit back and say, "Man, I, I had a funny joke. Let me hear this." So, I'm I'm always on the fringe of like, man, just make sure I I enjoy me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let me enjoy me on the mic because the day I cannot, well, I'm, I don't want to hear myself talk. Or the because always going to be things you just like, ah. Uh, I don't, you know, I sound like shit or this, whatever, but you still want to enjoy it. Like I, I try to go back and, and hear, and there's a lot to me. There's times where I don't enjoy myself right. and there's times where I'm like, man, that was funny. Good job, Willie. So you got to constantly boost yourself up, but also be critical of yourself, but don't never be, t- don't come to the point where everything you do and you feel like, man, uh, that was yesterday. Yesterday's behind me. Sometimes you got to go back and, and 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 watch your progress. And that's a hard thing to do. I mean, that, that was something I didn't do for a while. Like I used to hate looking at my old work because I always thought, well, well, I'm evolving and that. Uh, like now, nah, like you gotta like watch yourself and critique yourself. Like if if, if, Le- if LeBron and Jordan can watch game tape of themselves and they're the best of what they do, you gotta be able to go back. But okay, like this was a good joke. This was funny. This was a good delivery. Like you gotta be able to nitpick at yourself and still enjoy the the content that you put out. Because if you don't enjoy, it, how's anybody else gonna enjoy? It? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, um, goddamn, let's talk some football. We actually had a draft last night, and it was uh the first time ever that it was completely digital because of everything going on in the world. And for what it was worth, it was. Amazing television. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. outside of like the football ramifications and everything going on in, in the in the NFL and what it's gonna lead to, like just fantastic TV. So first question I want to ask you, just off the rip, being an old lineman, being from New York, being from the Bronx, the yeah. Giants and the Jets both went with O line help. They both got young quarterbacks, they both got uh stud or running backs that need people to push motherfuckers around, right? Yeah. So between the Giants and Thomas and Beckton with the Jets, who do you think made out the best out of those two? Uh, you know, for me, I watched Thomas play. Uh, I watched Georgia football this year because I was watching a lot of SEC football, period. Um, so two things. I watched the kid Thomas play. I like him. I really do. I think he's – he reminds me a lot of Kareem McKenzie, the old right tackle the Giants used to have, the, day of, the days of David Deal and – and Snee, he reminds me his his makeup and how he moves reminds me a lot of it. Okay. Um, and he seems like a guy who from a, that can that can move well enough, and he just has to be more consistent. But he seems like he has a little bit of dog in him, so I appreciate that. I honestly think I love the pickup by by uh, the Jets and Beckton. We were I had the opportunity, so I have a football podcast called the Going Deep Podcast, 
with me and another guy by the name of Stephen Che, and we were at the Senior Bowl, and I actually saw Beckton. And big you, boy. you can't teach six seven three hundred. <laughs> they said sixty. They said three hundred sixty four pounds. That man is all of three seventy three eight. I mean, he's he's a monster of a man. He made everybody else on that on that field look like little kids. And mm. he plays hard. He plays hard. You tell he cares. Um, he still has these little quirks about him that he's gonna have to fix. But he's a young guy. I like the fact. I'm I'm a big fan of. When you read an offensive lineman's background, um, he not only he was a, he was a basketball player, he was a good basketball player, and then he went over to football. And they said yeah. he, he walked into the building three hundred, damn near four hundred pounds, couldn't get through warmups, worked his tail off, and got down to three fifty, three sixty. That's a guy who cares and who who wants to be better. Because some guys, when you're that big, and it's hard, man, it's hard losing weight. It's hard to kind of. You know, especially when you're not confident in your role, um, he cared and he got it done. And he, I, I'm, I'm happy with him because what things the Jets do, they have done previously, was let the offensive line be the staple of their core, kind of be the core of their organization. You talk about the days of the Brickishaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold. You go back to the days of Kevin Y, J.C. Farini, and, and Jumbo Elliott. I mean, you, you go back. There's a lineage of really, really good offensive linemen. And yourself. You wasn't yeah. so Thank you. <laughs> um, but Joe Douglas being there, look, realizing if we're going to maximize the potential Sam Darnold has, we got to give him protection. And I think I thought signing the left guard, Alex Lewis, getting the young kid, now they're going to figure out what's going to happen with Brian Winters and figure out what's going to happen on that right side. But for the most part, they addressed the big need. Um, and I, I, for me, I, I like what the Jets did. I think they get the win. Um, but that's not a knock on the kid Thomas. I think he's a really solid ball player and will be, but I'm just really impressed with the Jets because when you lose a guy like Robbie Anderson mm. and you have CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Ruggs. Oh, I think Ruggs, no, Ruggs was maybe gone by then. Um, no, Ruggs, I think Ruggs is the first wide gone. Ruggs, I think he went yeah, the Raiders, right. Yeah. Um, but you talk about the, the caliber of receivers that are sitting there for the picking, and you don't you don't get greedy, and you say, you know what, we have a need, and we attack the need, and we're able to get that. Uh, because honestly, Beckton could have went if the Chargers don't get, uh, grab Herbert. I mean, if I'm the Chargers who had the 29th ranked offensive line last year, I'm going to get Beckton, bro. Like it's yeah. not even. I'm, I got Mike Pouncey as my center. I got Beckton a young Tyrod Ty- Ty- Taylor ain't no scrub. It's not like you know he'll, he'll, at all. he'll keep you above water. At all, and you got Keenan Allen, and you got all these guys. You got a young defense. Like they, the Chargers really. Uh, I was surprised by the Chargers pick by getting Herbert because Herbert, I, I like you. You can't. He's a, he comes from an athletic pedigree, six six, super smart. But one thing about Herbert that really, because I, I watched a couple Oregon games this season, does he have the arm talent? Sure, but he holds on to the ball. Right. And if you're a six six guy who lumbers and he can move. But if you're a sixes guy who doesn't have a quick release, you you you, you tend to, especially with th- this new age defense, the guys are bigger, faster, stronger. You're gonna you're gonna get yourself in a lot of trouble. So I felt like they should have addressed the offensive line. They should have grabbed the guy like Beckton or or even the kid Tristan uh, Worfs out of uh, Worf? yeah, um, into, uh, Tampa. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, too. he ended up going to Tampa. But so I, I thought Chargers should win offensive line just to kind of seal that 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 leaking hole. 
Uh, but they went, they went, got Herbert. So you can't. It is what it is. But um, yeah, the Chargers surprised me because it feels like there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, t- t- like I said, Tyrod Taylor is somebody who could keep you above water. But you got Jameis Winston out there. You got Cam Newton out there. You got like some solid quarterbacks that you know. If you put those weapons around you and the offensive line is good and that defense is young, like Cam Newton's good enough to win a division. Like Jameis Winston. For all people say about him, like he's got actual NFL talent. You know, what I mean, like he can put points up. But, you know, it, it really did surprise me that they went Herbert so early and uh, not necessarily went into that free agent pool. So um, let, let me get your thoughts on just the third offensive lineman that went in that first 15 picks, Tristan Wolves, who's going to be backing up or protecting Tom Brady and, uh, you know, standing next to Rob Gronkowski and an already pretty good offensive line. What do you think of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done so far, just in, just in this past week alone, getting Gronk back, getting another pick, and getting Tristan Wolves? Well, I I think this what happened with the Brady and the whole situation with Gronk. You know, I this listen. Let's start. 2019. Everybody could say Brady's going to retire. He's going to remain a Patriot. He's going to retire a Patriot. Nobody could ever. You would have to be the luck. You have to be Buddha himself to say that you you knew Tom Brady was going to land with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Like <laughs> yeah. this is a team that went seven and nine and finished third in the division. Like for real. You know what I mean? So. It, it's it's not like we you can sit back and say oh yeah Tom is definitely on that no, it, so it shocked everybody mm-hmm. him landing in, him landing in Tampa makes sense because when Jason Light the GM for the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a part of that team that dra- was a part of that organization that drafted Tom so there's a relationship there Bruce Aarons my offensive coordinator uh, he was my offensive coordinator when I was at Pittsburgh and that I won a Super Bowl with you know one thing that BA does really really well he doesn't get in your way. Right. He's not he's not gonna make it he's gonna make it simple, he's gonna make it efficient, and he's gonna make it work. If it works, he's not gonna stop it from working. He's not gonna say, Well, let's let's just add this just because like, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna run it down to the ground. One thing I know what's gonna happen down in Tampa is Tom is gonna bring some of what pretty much everything he knows or from the Belichick tree, he's gonna bring that knowledge and he's gonna bring it to Tampa, be able to hone it in, make it a part of the system. Um Gronk and, and and Godwin and 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 I know OJ Howard he may be leaving because uh, now Gronk is there but that defense that organization they're they're building a culture that what we had in Pittsburgh and that only thing that matters is Sunday mm-hmm. doesn't matter it doesn't matter what happens or who's in the locker room everybody has to do their part you got to win on Sunday and Tom Brady is going to show a lot of these young guys what it means to win on a consistent basis. Because you can win in the NFL, but can you win consistently? And then when you have guys like Gronk and you have guys like uh, Tom Brady, and plus you have already the caliber of young guys uh, on that defense who's already ready to lead that team, that's going to come along, and that's going to come along in a fashion where I try to tell a lot of people, it's hard to win in the NFL, man. It's not – it just – the Patriots made it look easy because they brought in. Yeah, Tom is going to have to get these guys to buy in what it means to play every every Sunday, be efficient, be accountable, and I think them going to ta- going them going to Tampa together is just signs that listen, man, Tom's not done. Forty two, him being forty two means nothing. He wants to do it. He wants to go out on his own, uh, on out on his on, out on his sword, so to speak. Yeah, uh, and that's the one thing. It feels like there was so many years that he could have just kind of like walked away and had the story book ending, but like. He's he kind of reminds me of Favre, where it's like he's not going to leave that field until he's dragged off that field. Like, right. I mean, you know? it, Mike Mike had that right. Mike right. Mike left and came, Michael Jordan left and came back. 
and left a wizard, which I still erased from my head. <laughs> they did like those old, those like, you know, 20 years ago, Michael. I'm like, that didn't happen. I was like, yeah, I don't even alter the universe. Yeah. You simulated 2K too long and ended up on the wrong team. That didn't like really happen. See, it's like when I see Rucker Park clippings of like Katie and everybody playing their part. I'm like, oh, that happened at some point in time. I just don't acknowledge when it happened. <laughs> Should have been a Dykeman is what he's saying. Exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, another big trade – or not trade, another big draft pick from last night was Jordan Hall going to the Green Bay Packers, a guy from Utah Jordan State. Love. Jordan Love, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think I'm thinking a lot of um, R. Kelly or something. <laughs> Aaron Hall. But <laughs> uh, Jordan Love, State, very talented quarterback. But um, just earlier that week – Aaron Rodgers was on uh, Pat McAfee's show talking about, you know what, it would be nice to get a skill position 15 years here. I've never gotten a guy in the first round from wide receiver, tight end, running back, none of that. And they do get a skill position, but they ended up taking who was probably going to be Aaron Rodgers' uh, eventual replacement in Green Bay. Um, how should Aaron Rodgers feel about this right now? Well, I think, listen, we, we got a, a lot of people say, well, Aaron did it to Brett. Brett Favre, two different situations, right? Mm -hmm. When Aaron Rodgers was technically the first pick in his draft, uh, he just happened to fall to Green Bay. Uh, And Green Bay was like, yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, we'll take him. And they took him. And it worked out in their favor. Uh, I think in this situation, Aaron, having played on such an elite level for so long and continues to play at elite level, you know, if you go back to last year, there were some games, man, where he just didn't have the talent around him, and he just didn't have. You tell that the team wasn't. There was some. There was some. There was some fractions. There was some. There fractions. was some chemistry issues over there. Yeah, there was some things you going on. You can tell he still had it, but like there was just some times where it's like this only. This don't look like a, a Aaron Rodgers offense for some reason. Right, it like, and then oh. it doesn't help when you're going against. Uh, a Super Bowl caliber defense in the San Francisco 49ers. Just, so you were seeing his exposure. Uh, you were seeing the team kind of not look like the Green Bay Packers. And so if you if, if you fast forward to where we're at now, Jordan Love being picked, uh, if I'm Aaron, I'm like, does this mean I'm I'm on the clock, that I'm gone mm-hmm. in two years because this guy's going to be coming in? Because everybody's looking at Jordan Love like, all right, this kid's not starting right away. He needs at least two or three years to, to get – to get ready and be the guy. But also if you're Aaron Rodgers, it's like, well, are we, are we tanking? Because right now you got me a, a backup quarterback. I need yeah. a receiver. I need an offensive line. I need something. So I think Aaron Rodgers, and considering that the GM came out and said he hasn't had conversations with Aaron uh, prior to the draft or before the, this draft started, this is how I bet – this is how I mix – signals mixed messages happen because if you're the GM of the Green Bay Packers, you would hope a guy who's put the whole franchise on his back after letting Brett Favre walk out the door, uh, out the door, you would hope you say, listen, man, we're going to get Jordan Love because in three years, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to be here. I don't know if we can continue on with you because of age and money, X, Y, Z. We got to have another guy in place. We're going to do it. Don't freak out. We're just, we're just trying to get ready for the future. Mm. Those conversations need to happen, and I don't know if they did happen. Aaron Rodgers- the fact that those conversations didn't happen doesn't lend to believe that okay, they're not on the same page. Maybe he's out of there because I mean, Jordan Hall, Jordan Love, as good as he is, he might have been available in the next couple of rounds. You know, what I'm saying like I don't think he's a first round quarterback, 
And if you do go first round when you already have a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you're not telling him, hey, we're grabbing a quarterback in the first round, that seems like the writing's kind of on the wall, no? It was crazy. If I'm if – I'm, if, if, if I were to do it the Packer way, right, like – and I don't know, and obviously I'm saying this uh, ignorant to the draft order. Mm. Um, you know, if, if if I'm if I'm if I'm Green Bay, I'm gonna get me a receiver or some type of offensive weapon. And I don't understand what's Pat like. I there's this notion that Jalen Hurts can't play football, right? Jalen Hurts is maybe not the most efficient passer in this draft, but he's a winner. He wins games. He won in Alabama and he won in Oklahoma. Why wouldn't you want a guy? To say, you know what, we're gonna go get Jalen Hurts, uh, uh, Aaron. Don't worry about it. No matter because if he plays quarterback or if you put him in a slot, we have a weapon. Green Bay needed a weapon. I think Jalen Hurts is a weapon, mm-hmm. uh, and he wasn't given that nod, which is which is shocking. And then you put the kid Love. Obviously, he has the big arm talent. He has a big upside. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. I think Aaron has all the re- all the right to be upset, but I don't think he is. I think he goes the business and I think he just pushes forward and uh whenever they give him his walking walking papers he'll probably end up going to shit who knows somebody in the division to slaughter the green bay twice a year (laughs) right you know like this always happens um the top two quarterbacks obviously taken in the draft uh joe burrow we all knew that was going to be a number one pick but uh I I don't want to say somewhat surprising but you know, Tua Tungavailoa, the Miami Dolphins have been tanking for him for a while. They won a couple of games. Didn't think they'd be in position to get him. Tua gets injured. It still kind of works out. Um, a lot of people talking about Tua redshirting one year, getting healthy. Do you think that's a good idea? Or if he's as healthy as everybody says he is and he can go and he can play, do you play him? No, I, I think because, listen, I, I like Tua for the Dolphins. I thought it was a smart move in their part. They they had to take a shot. They had, they they you know they didn't really have anything on that team to to kind of say, all right, this is this we're gonna put the future on him. Like you got to credit, you know, they paid Christian McCaffrey in Carolina sixty four million because he's a total package, thousand yard running back, thousand yard receiver running back, great guy off the field, figurehead. You know, they, they, you got to figure Carolina is losing Luke Keekley. They lose Cam. There's a transition period. You need somebody, a rock-solid piece in that locker room to push you through that transition period to the uh, to the cavalry comes. Well, that's what Miami's doing. They, they're getting tour together. They had the head coach. When they're going to go through a transition period where they're going to have to put it on somebody. This is a young guy who, by all accounts, if you're going to, if you're going to pick a, a quarterback who is a preacher's son, God-driven, uh, focused, hardworking and battles through injuries and you want him to play for the Miami Dolphins, then you got to it. You get what I'm saying? Like right. this doesn't have a lot of off the field demons. He's not into the bullshit. He's just football, God and family. That's, that's who he is. And you need somebody that's from an organizational standpoint to put that on their shoulders in a year two, two or three. And you have that with Tua. So I thought it was safe. I love it. I would sit him. I wouldn't play him next year. He need. I think he needs time to heal, and that's not. I think he fought himself back to put himself on tape, watching himself be mobile, so the world can see him be mobile. Um, but for me, sit him a year, let him get healthy. You got Josh Rosen, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you got to gut it out one more year, at least you know you got more picks on the way this year and next year. And then you say, you know what, Tua, showtime. Let's get rolling. Now, with two is one thing, but uh, Joe Burrow is probably going to be the week one starter for the Cincinnati oh, yeah. Bengals. 
Yeah. And, and um, what, what do you what do you think the Bengals and the NFL should expect out of him, especially after having one of the probably the greatest college football single college football season from a quarterback I've ever seen? Yeah, I like Joe Burrows, man. I just what what bothers me with Joe Burrows is that somebody and I said at one point I said this about Geno Smith, uh, which is crazy. Uh, they pretty much hand their they handed Joe Burrows the keys to the goddamn Ferrari. Right. They said, don't crash it. And he drove that shit all the way to a national championship. He came out, and he didn't scratch it. He didn't total it. And it came back polished, sweet, and ready. Uh, and that's what Joe Burrows did, man. Like, he didn't – it's one thing if he didn't have Justin Jefferson or if he didn't have the he didn't have the offensive line and, and the running back or that defense. I mean, he had a pretty stacked team. So, Valley, he had to do his part, and he did, and he did it very well. Um. He's going into the AFC North, which prides themselves on what? Defense. Defense. Yep. It's going to be cold. He's from Ohio. He he didn't make it. He had to transfer out of Ohio State, and he was supposed to go to Nebraska. Nebraska, Scott Frost said, no, nah, we're good. He goes down to LSU, and he balls, he, he balls out of his mind. I think Scott – I think uh, – excuse me. I think Joe Burrows is going to be a damn good quarterback. I'm just worried about if Cincinnati has enough patience – and are willing to stick it out with him. I mean, they stuck it out with Marvin Lewis for damn near a decade too long. They they should give him some time. Yeah, but I'm talking about from a quarterback standpoint because this team needs guidance. This team needs leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you know, what nobody knows. Even though they got Tyler Alford, Eifert, and AJ Green, they need more. And they got Joe Mixon, and I like Joe Mixon. Um, they need more. Uh, and it starts with the quarterback, and hopefully he can be that guy. But the AFC North is tough, man. You talk about. Talk about Baltimore. Baltimore's gonna be nasty again. Uh you talk about the Steelers. Big Ben when, when Big Ben gets back, it's gonna be nasty. The Browns, it will be better next year. Can he handle what's in store for him? And hopefully they don't break him because I've seen quarterbacks who are broken, their confidence is broken, injuries take place, the city turns on them. What like it's mentally can he handle it is what I'm really trying to find. I'm not worried about the physical attributes. But from the neck up, can he handle all the pressure? And he showed he can do it in college. But I just think the NFL is another level, and we all got to wait and see. Yeah, I feel like with him, he, he kind of comes in with this this edge of cockiness slash confidence where that's really easy to pull off in college when, you know, like you said, that LSU team was loaded with loaded. first-round talent across the board for this year and next year. Yeah. And then he got, you know, uh, going into a division that has, you know, the number one regular season record in, in Baltimore. Say what you want about the Cleveland Browns. They're going to be – they're going to have all the talent in the world. They just kind of yep. got to put it together. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, they're always – they're, they're going to sit their way through seven wins every year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And now Big Ben's coming back. Right. With Burrow, I, I feel like it's going to be something where, you know, we've seen it with a lot of these first-round quarterbacks. We've seen it with, you know, with Baker Mayfield where he kind of comes in – Looks good the first year, second year, not so much. We see it with Johnny Manziel, which, you know, comes in. Granted, he's not as big, didn't have as much arm talent, didn't have all that stuff, but came in, and once the confidence was knocked, he was done. Right. Um, I'm I'm worried, not worried, but I'm more interested in seeing how Burrow's going to react to uh, uh, losing, how he's going to react to just being not being the favorite going in every game because it's been a year – Maybe longer than that. I think he hasn't lost a game 
Yeah. I lost the starting game since like high school and then going in that sort of a run in college and winning the Heisman and winning the national championship and going number one overall, that first taste of defeat and taking a lot of that, like that might weigh on you for a while. Yeah, he's answered the bell a lot, especially during his last year, um, his senior, because he beat a lot to the top. He beat top the top five um, in college. But I, uh, what we have to understand, especially when it comes to football, man, and I think it's it's sometimes it gets passed, it gets transmitted in different ways. You got to have a guy who just won't let you lose. Mm. Burrow shows that, right? But can he do it on this level, that adversity? Like, playing with Ben Roethlisberger, there was times when I was in a huddle where the defense was, you know, busting their ass trying to keep us in the games. Receivers couldn't get open or we weren't protecting. There was times when I could look at Ben and he goes, we're not losing this game. Like, even I know that the fires, you know, the the state, the state, the, you know, the stadium's on fire. We look like we're, we're, like we're playing like dog shit. We're not losing that game. You see it with Russell Wilson, who I love playing. Russell Wilson won't let you lose games, and he has a coach of Pete Carroll to kind of come in to keep that mindset steady. Joe Burrows is going to have to prove to these guys: Does he have the cape? You know, can because one thing Aaron Rodgers can do, he can put on the cape and just win a game for you just by being mobile, big time throws, being resilient, just kind of had that dogmatic approach. Dog Joe Burrows did that in college, but he did it with an awesome team. Can he do it with the Cincinnati Bengals? who's not as talented, who doesn't have all the bells and whistles like LSU had. Can he do it? And so that's the challenge for him. And the city's going to adore him. Everybody's going to be waiting for him. Uh, but the AFC North is is tough, man. It's, it's, it's a tough division. It's a hard-nosed division. And they pride themselves on, on defense, and they're going to be hunting for him. Now, uh, a team that didn't make any picks in the first round, but I'm I'm terrified of what they're going to do because, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jets fan, I'm an AFC East fan, is these New England Patriots. They traded out of the first round. There's a lot of free agent quarterbacks out there. Jalen Hurts is still lurking out there. Like, they got to go quarterback at some point and, and replace Tom Brady or at least fill in that gap. Where do you think Belichick and company go when it comes to the New England Patriots to call it under center? You know, I, I think people want to say quarterback, but I don't. I think one of the things that hurt Tom Brady last year was that they didn't have a receiver. And I mean, you know, they had Antonio Brown. Pfft, that was nothing. Uh, <laughs> Edelman's getting older. At one point they had, um, you know, Josh Gordon. That was a project that just didn't work out. So they got to find themselves a staple one or two, a guy that's going to be a blue-collar, hardworking guy, the Patriot way, who's going to believe in that and, and, and embody that. Belichick's going to find him. Um mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes outside linebacker or wide receiver here. I wouldn't be. I don't think. I don't think quarterback is really in his vision. Um, I think he feel like he has a guy, or he can go get a guy that can kind of carry it. Um, but I, I think defense or receiver is something he's looking at. And you understand, Belichick is a defensive minded coach. If, if they can't score, they can't win. Um, and so I think he's he's going to find that that kind of diamond in the rough on the defensive side of the ball or a receiver who's just flat out pissed off because he wasn't considered uh, in the same conversations as Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb, and Justin Jefferson or Ruggs, and he's going to say, you know what, just put me in, Coach. I'm going to go to work. And Belichick's going to make him a dog, and, you know, he's going to be a superstar. Somebody's got to throw him the ball, and if it's not somebody who draft – who do you who do you get? Do you think you do you think he has that quarterback already on his roster? Where do you think he goes to for his new signal caller? 
I don't know. I obviously I forgot the young man's name that's uh was backing up Brady. That's what I'm saying. I'm losing his name um, in my head. But I, I for me, I don't think it's so much the quarterback. I one thing about Belichick, I think people don't give him enough credit. He doesn't he doesn't write the script according to the way we think or the average person thinks. I think he's he's always he's a genius. He's always turning. He's always switching. He's always adjusting. He's always preaching. He's always teaching. And so for me, I think he understands that a big part of what he was able to do in his glory years was have a defense to back Tom Brady up. And Tom Brady just being the alpha male and the super competitive and a quarterback um, kind of matched all that. And obviously you win Super Bowls. But he, you know, I watched the other day. It was, uh, it was Brady versus Manning, November 7th, November 7th 2005. And Foxborough, uh, at, at the Colts in a, Colts end up winning that game. Peyton is actually tearing it up, but Brady was tearing it. I think Peyton actually had a pick in that game. Uh, but I was going back. I was looking at that defense, man. There's a, de- a lot of guys who I played against when I used to play against the Patriots. You talk about Roosevelt Coleman. You talk about uh, Willis uh, Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Rodney Harrison. Um, all world defense, I mean, just like just like battle axe dudes. You know, what I mean, yeah. just like put them in it. Put the, if you wanted to fight in the parking lot, these dudes were scrap. You know, what I mean, that's who I can see Belichick getting those type of guys. Uh, just because if you have a defense that keep keep you in the game, it doesn't matter the type of quarterback you really have, as long as he doesn't turn around the ball and he just does his job accordingly. And so for me, I just see Belichick going defense. And uh, or maybe receiver, but those that's where I see him leaning towards. All right, so uh, second round is tonight. Uh, yeah. tell me some of the guys that were left out of that first uh, Thursday night, first round uh, of the NFL draft that you got your eyes on that you think can make some noise next year, really contribute to a team. So, for my Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they're picking 40th. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that uh, they're in the second round, man. There's a tackle out of Houston by the name of Josh Jones. Uh, I was I was in like I said I was at Senior Bowl I watched him. The kid is a scrapper. He uh he he showed up. He he didn't. Have, I think he had an okay first day, but the next two days, man, he he went to war, man. And what I like what I like to see, especially when you evaluate talent, man, you like to see guys raise their game to the level of competition. And he did that. And so I really like. I hopefully you know with the Steelers, man, you talk about an interior three that. Aged, they played a lot of football between Marquise Pouncey, DeCastro, and Ramon Foster. Now Ramon Foster is, is retired, and, and now you have Pouncey and DeCastro. But both of those uh, Castro and Pouncey are in their thirties, man. And and at some point, you got to make sure that you know we talked about being a hard nosed division in the AFC North. You need interior linemen to get the job done because with, with a bad defensive line, a badass defensive line, you need a good ass offensive line. Hell yeah. Knuckle up with them. And the Steelers have always traditionally had that. So I can see them going off as alignment in the second round. Um, or maybe receiver. Uh, or maybe or maybe running back. But if I'm the Steelers, if you got I, I, Josh Jones out of Houston, I really like him. I think you got an opportunity to grab that young man because he can play tackle guard for you. You go for it. Um you know, I think Swift is still out. Is Swift out there or did Swift get picked up from uh, I think he's still out there. I don't think he was picked up there. Uh Shit, uh, Dobbins is out there. Uh, you still got, I think you got, uh, what's the, what's the running back for Clemson? Uh, TN. 
so this, nah, I think he, uh, I think he was uh, picked up by the Chiefs. Am he I? Picked up by the Chiefs. No, I, no, the, uh, no, that's Claude, that's, uh, that's Claude Edwards. My fault. My yeah, fault. Right. I yeah, yeah, I think he's still out there. You're right. Right. So you know, there's there's still a couple big time names that are kind of floating around. I think when you get into the late, the kind of the me that like I, I was a fourth round of 131, I got drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I realized, a lot of guys who get drafted between three and six, man. You know, those are the guys that's going to those are the guys going to get you through the cold weather months. You know, those are the guys where, you know, when it's December and everybody's broken up, those are the guys who are who are who are, who are taping their wrists, uh, smoking a cigarette on the bench. And with a <laughs> coffee and they, those those are the type of guys going to you know New York bruisers. So uh, those are the guys who I always like to see come out on top because nobody talks about them. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody's looking for them. Uh, but somehow, you know. Year. That's what franchises are built at, though, man. Right. Like the, the splashy was- first round, there's a great, but I mean the the good franchises, the good teams, they make their money between the third round and the sixth round. That's right. where they 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 kill every single year. And and those are the guys, you know, <laughs> at year thirteen, you know, they, they got a they they're, they're still out there strapping it up. You know, like, man, this guy came from Okie Padokie State. Because nobody ever cared about him, so he's not used to nobody calling for him. He's all he cares about how is he putting the butter on the bread and how and where he's putting the shoes at night. You know, it's it's a different mentality. So I always respect those guys, and uh, I always kind of around the draft time, I I peek around and see see what small school guys pop up up and uh, land somewhere. Awesome, awesome. Well, Willie, I know you got a lot to do, and uh, you know the draft is about to start again in a few hours. But thank you so much. For coming through. It's always good talking with you, chatting with you. I hope you're staying safe out there. And uh let's do this again. Hopefully not in you know yeah. social yeah, distancing. Man. We gotta get you on uh we gotta get you on my podcast, man. The two bigs podcast uh with me and Brandon Newman talking all thing, everything. More mostly coaching, not so much sports, but we get into it. So you're you're the man of the people, man. I would love to have you. Man, it, it will be an honor and a pleasure, my friend. Let's do it soon, man. Stay safe. Thank you, baby. Appreciate it. You too, bro. And that was uh, Say Less with Kaz. Thank you to my guest, Willie Colon, for coming through. You can check out Barstool Breakfast on Sirius XM each and every morning on your uh, channels over there. And uh, please subscribe, youtube.com slash Kazim. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Every Monday through Friday, we're giving you content. We're giving you interviews. We're giving you just Amazing conversations from amazing people, and I really, 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 really hope you're enjoying it. So thanks to all of you for subscribing, and we will see you tomorrow. Say less. Say less.